0: from the website GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement girlfriended, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Dernigan on toginet.com.
1: You wish.
2: There was a formula or a pill for solutions and healing from the pains of life. Well, if only it was that easy that you could just do something that
3: simple and it would take it all away unfortunately it's a little more complicated than that, that uh, if you live life at all, you know, that it's not that easy. So before we get too far into our show, talking about um, a lot of different life experiences, we're going to talk about. You're listening to girlfriend at radio with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan, where we rally you to do the remarkable through resources and relationships. And we have more information about today's show and other tips and tricks
2: on our website at
3: girlfriendit.com.
2: And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Well, Today's guest has been drawing from 33 years of experience in writing and producing uh, an on-air radio broadcast. Cynthia Ruckty tells stories hemmed in hope through her novels, nonfiction books, devotionals, as well as speaking for women's events and retreats. Her books have been recognized by so many awards, and she has a total of 15 books on the shelves right now, with more being contracted. She and her plot-tweaking husband live in the heart of Wisconsin, not far from their three children and five grandchildren. So welcome, Cynthia, to the show. How are you today? Thank
4: you. I'm doing well. It's great to talk to you.
2: Well, you are in Wisconsin, and I have to tell you the funniest story. And whenever I I say anything about the funniest story, it means that I won't be putting Lisa in her best light. Oh, great. Um, Great. (laughs) One time when we were in Wisconsin, um, for whatever reason, Lisa had looked at what the weather was going to be like. And she – I am known to be a minimalist and pack. I I used to work in the airline industry, so I Mm -hmm. would travel quite often. And I would put just the minimal amount of things in my bag, whereas Lisa would have, you know, shoes for every outfit. And, of course, (laughs) then I would borrow her shoes because, you know, she has it there, so why not use it? But um, (laughs) this particular trip, she brought not only, like, her London Fog – um, she brought long underwear. Oh yes, <laughs> and I can't tell you, coming from Arizona, the fact that she has long underwear—that <laughs> is comical. But the fact that you would pack is—it's it, not like we were going skiing. We were going to speak right. in, you know, in hotels in the right. conference rooms. So, right. so she's, yeah, she's layered up. And once we're inside, you know, a hundred and ten degree, you know, heated conference room, uh, I think she realized the humor in her long underwear. So, Lisa, I'm sorry, I had to share that story.
4: You are
3: so not sorry, <laughs> and. <laughs>
4: I where where we live, it. we're we're tending to um, not use the term long underwear. Now that we can learn, use the term leggings, it's still long underwear, but that's what we'll call it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's good to know. Leggings. I I know when I I was in Ireland recently, and we would say pants. And Mm. apparently when you, I would always say grumpy pants and my niece goes, Patty, it's grumpy trousers because here (laughs) pants means your undergarments or your (laughs) underwear. So apparently underwear is not like the cool thing to talk about anymore. So leggings and trousers it is. That sounds good. (laughs) So how are you in Wisconsin and do you really eat a lot of cheese? Is that all just a myth?
4: Oh my goodness, we eat a lot of cheese and we're, we're supporting the dairy industry and I think my husband is, is involved in leading that that um, effort <laughs> that he wants to personally support the dairy industry himself with cheese but yes we do eat a lot of cheese and that's partly because we make a lot of great cheese in Wisconsin and and uh, there's never a lack of that, that's true we're in on one of those days that kind of looks a little dreary and drippy um, it snowed last night but that all melted away and now today it's just one of those days when the trees are getting Bare and the sky is all gray and it's misty and cloudy and so all the sunshine has to be inside. So that's what we're concentrating on today. Well, we won't tell you that
2: we're like trying to stay under a hundred degrees today. No,
4: oh. um, <laughs> it,
2: it's painful. But I bet you, Lisa has her leggings ready for it if it gets below <laughs> hundred. So, so we are Go. ready. They are ready. So. <laughs> We have to tell you, Cynthia, you are um, amazing just by everything that we're reading about you. And I have to tell you this morning, I was on Pinterest looking at all of your fabulous quotes and everything about your book. So I have to ask you, for whom did you write your new book, Tattered and Mended?
4: Uh, the first nonfiction that I wrote, I've been writing both fiction and nonfiction, and the first nonfiction that I wrote was called Ragged Hope, Surviving the Fallout of Other People's Choices. And this book came along in a way as a complement to that. They're not necessarily a series at all, but it's kind of a compliment in in the taking a look at that idea that really every one of us is – broken or shattered or bruised or, or wounded in some level, and if it's not us, it's somebody that we care about deeply who is. So that issue, that kind of an issue of being shattered or, or tattered on the soul level, where we just feel shredded by what life has handed us or what people have done to us or by the circumstances that we're facing, whether that's financial or physical, um, medical, relationships, emotional. Uh, the, most of us know what that means when we use a term like a, a tattered soul or a wounded soul. And as I was taking a look at that concept, I, I realized that, you know, in the fashion industry, we've kind of come to this place where tattered has become more expensive. Tattered equals more expensive or more costly or it's yeah, everybody's after it. That's what we want. And I wondered and, and started to really study and investigate and listen deeper to people to see that what what we've kind of been saying is that people are tattered, and if that's going to be the case, then let's make tattered fashionable because we can swallow that. We can mm-hmm. swallow that. We can be comfortable with that with ourselves if we just realize everybody's broken, so we'll make that t- fashionable. But instead, God invites us to mend, and if we don't come past the place of realizing that we're all broken and come to that invitation that he offers us to mend then we've missed that very important step and we've missed that call from god that invitation from god into his mending room so i began this idea of writing this book for for honestly any of us whether we're currently wounded or there's a wound from our past or there's someone that we care about, sometimes that means that it's so bruised that it feels like that it's an excruciating pain that nobody can touch, including God, or that we're broken beyond repair. And And I believe that's, that's not the whole truth. And we need to know we don't have to just live with it as our lot in life.
2: Okay, mm-hmm. Cynthia, you just said so many things um, there that Especially with tattered being fashionable that that really does crack me up because um, I, just this week I was trying to get my my son a graduation gift and um, I, I was getting a tattered leathered you know the man bag to carry his.
4: Oh.
2: <laughs> And then, and I was thinking that I was going, okay, my mom would laugh that I'm trying to find one that has that, you know, shabby, chic leather, you know, tattered look, and I'm going to pay this much money. And then I, I just bought a pair of jeans, you know, with all the holes in it, thinking I was really cool and hip. Of course, my 14-year-old, when I we went to a, a Broadway play the other night, I came out in my tattered jeans, and she goes, Mom, you are not wearing that. <laughs> and I was like, wait, I thought this was, like, cool and hip. And, I, you know, here I was thinking I was the hipster, and apparently I wasn't. But the fact that we uh, as people are tattered and that is fashionable. I I think that's so interesting because Lisa and I have been having these conversations going, why is it that we're we're having that victim mentality and it seems to be cool? Like we're not getting beyond the victim mentality. We're kind of staying there rather than being victorious in Christ. Like you said, it's almost cool to talk about my woes and my issues and, um, and be stuck. So we, we're going into a commercial break in just a couple of minutes. So tell us a little bit more about um, that fabric and, and using it as an allegory and, and where, um, just some examples of how you can get out of that tattered, stuck, you know, victim mentality.
4: I'm one of those people that I like the shabby chic look, too. I I like a tailored look in some things, and I like shabby chic in decorating. And part of what appeals to me in that is seeing the things that have been repurposed or reclaimed. If it's just broken, if it's just uh, scarred, but it hasn't been reclaimed, then it's missing its Full purpose. And I think that's part of where this allegory can come into play, too. I use not only fabric in the in the book, but also we talk about um, sculpture and painting and both ancient and modern mending techniques for all kinds of artwork. And the principle of this thing, the principle of this story is really getting to that place of realizing that God doesn't just patch us together, but he makes art out of our brokenness and that's one of the keys that's going to make the difference for us as we come to him with these wounds that we have and realize that not only can we be made whole but when he's done with us it's going to be artwork not just i can get by
3: Mm-hmm. And that's an interesting distinction, and that's a great way of of framing it and reframing it. And we almost have to see it that way instead of looking at it because we can be so hard on ourselves and, and letting um, that tatteredness kind of define us and kind of dictate our future going forward. No instead true. of going, okay, God wants to... He wants to take something and make it beautiful and, and, you know, create this art out of that if we will allow him um, and give him the control instead of us trying to control it and trying to, you know, fix it ourselves and find a a fast way to fix it. That's what we generally want is a quick way Mm -hmm. to fix something so we don't have to deal with it and think about it. So great way of framing it. So we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come right back and continue this conversation of, you know, how do we take the tatteredness and let God truly heal those places? We'll be right back.
0: For more information, go to stadia.cc. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond.
5: Even though Halloween is my least favorite day of the year, it will be here soon. And having a strategy to not let it derail your healthy eating is a good idea. Weight Watchers says that there is really a trick to treats. You can stay on your healthy living plan, even though there is plenty of temptation around. They recommend to buy your candy late. Keep the temptation out of your house for as long as you can. Buy candy that you personally do not like. Have a plan for the leftover candy or the candy the kids bring home. Giving it away to your church or favorite charity is a good idea. But if you can't, then freeze it. It takes a while to eat a rock-solid piece of candy. Forgo the temptation to eat high-calorie, low-nutrition candy and stay on track. I'm Annette Hammond. To hear more fitness and weight loss tips, visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com.
0: Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on Toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa.
2: Who has been battered and bruised by the storms of life? Um, we, we've just been talking in this uh, last segment before our commercial break with author Cynthia Ruckty and she has penned her new book, Tattered and Mended The Art of Healing the Wounded Soul. And, and just talking about how so many times, you know, it's, it's become this the, the fashion statement to, to be tattered, even through our, our fashions and even just as individuals. And Cynthia, you write about the practice of sashiko. I think that's how you um, <laughs> pronounce it. Mm-hmm. But other decorative mending techniques, of, what do these practices symbolize to you?
4: I love taking a look at these word pictures of how the mending techniques from, from centuries ago and modern Modern days have uh, create this something that I can wrap my mind around some way I can understand, and hopefully others will be able to too that idea that artistry has been god 's calling card from the beginning of creation we see it everywhere, and we see it in these some of these ancient mending techniques like the Japanese technique of Sashiko and boro is another one that they have used there are one of the fabrics that was most in use, especially with the, the working class people, um, in ancient times hundreds of years ago and even today is indigo because that was plentiful a dark cloth usually and pretty sturdy very sturdy but every once in a while just because well quite often because of the ravages of just daily life and ordinary living and the, the hardworking people who were using these garments for their in the fishing industry they had fishing coats that would protect them as they worked um, there would come holes or thin places or or people could see that their their garment was starting to get thin somewhere and instead of just patching it as we might hurriedly and with those whip stitches to just get it done and which we know that patch will hold for a while and oftentimes then will have to be repatched or the patch itself will let go instead these beautiful people who were sometimes artisans and sometimes just ordinary people, would learn this craft of putting these tiny little stitches, very precise, one after another, in rows and patterns that made the the patch not only hold more solidly than the fabric was in the beginning, but also formed these beautiful pieces of artwork that now hang in museums as examples of artistry and the endurance and the flexibility and the, the make-do with what you have. But also imagine having a piece of clothing from your closet that has lasted 200 years it's it's just incredible to us that it would do that, but it's because of that precision work. Well we can see that pattern with the way God works with us too. Sometimes the the amount of effort and the precision and the the intricacy and the and the focus that has to be put upon our healing when it's our soul that is wounded takes time it takes that that very fine detail work and god is invested in us for that process and when we emerge it will be something that tells a story of endurance it will tell a story of the artistry of the one who was involved in making us whole again mm. to me to me that was a picture that i just it it's almost breathtaking to think about
3: well and you know if that is and um I want to see that work. (laughs) We don't want to take the time. It goes back to, I think so much of our culture, we want these quick fixes and we don't want to invest the time. And if it's going to take um, longer than a day, we're not interested, you know, Mm. because we just want this. We want to be over it. And, it, and, and life doesn't work that way and especially when you're talking about a wounded soul it takes time and there's there's something there to an experience or something that's triggered something and it's like it doesn't just go away quickly and so i love that analogy of just the mending and the tiny stitches and the detail that what emerges is this, like you said, art form that it's still hanging in museums hundreds of years later, like you said, because it's endured the test of time. And I'm, um, you know, going back to like you guys were talking about earlier, the fashionable thing, we, we almost we can, com- we start comparing our stories and, you know, and, and we stay in those places of um, this is my story. And it's like, we kind of like over, um, glorify sometimes those things for our own survival instead of going, okay, what is it going to take to truly mend this and get beyond whatever this is? And so that is such a great, um, just encouragement to go, okay, it does take time. And I think we need to remind ourselves and others, this takes time and it's, it's more of a marathon than a, than a, a dash, you know, and yet we're not willing to do that.
4: And what we do during that time is so important, too. We're either going to create an atmosphere in which that healing can happen well and solidly and surely, or we'll create an atmosphere in which healing is more difficult to take place. Any kind of a, a medical profession knows that the atmosphere for healing is one where there's no room for infection, where it's clean, where the wound is cleaned and the, and the, um, even the atmosphere in the room itself, all the people who touch that that patient while they 're uh, trying to do the repair work that needs to be made, whether that 's stitching up an open wound or taking care of a burn, it all has to be they intentionally make that atmosphere such that it is free from the germs that could infect it and prevent that healing from happening. We do the same thing in relationships. We do the same thing in emotions, too. We either are poisoning the uh, the chances for that wound to heal or or making it worse or sabotaging that healing effort, or we're doing the things that are going to help the healing along. Sometimes, as you say, we were, we're rehearsing our story or we're rehearsing our regrets, and we fail to rehearse hope or we're hanging on to resentment about what happened to us and the healing can't come because we're continually poking at that wound or or adding um uh, the acidic things to that that will make it sting more instead of coming to this place where god invites us to be into his mending room and we let him do the work and part of that work is to stop resisting what he's trying to doing to do is, is letting go of the bitterness is letting go of the unforgiveness so he can do what he wants to do in us and bring about that wholeness.
3: And you use a phrase, um, that I really like hemmed and hope. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I just, I like that analogy. It's just kind of, you see the stitch work, you know, that just like stitch by stitch. It's not, it's a process. Um, if even receiving that hope, can you just kind of, kind of expand on that just, you know, because it is really is a process. It's not a quick fix. It's not a one-time thing. And it really is. Jesus has to come into the core of it to allow the healing to, to happen. So, um, explain kind of that term a little bit more.
4: I've adopted that as my tagline now for everything I do, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, whether it's speaking events for women, is that idea that I tell stories hemmed in hope. I believe that if we're hemmed in hope, we can't unravel. Uh, the word picture that came to mind with that was when I was a, a beginning seamstress. I used that term loosely, but I used to sew my own clothes way back way back way way back and i taught myself how to do that so that meant that there was a lot of trial and error but when i learned the technique of french seams i was over the moon with joy to know that there was a way to take those rough 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 frayed edges and turn them in on themselves in that seam and run another line of stitching beyond the regular seam that would catch those threads and hold them solid so that that garment could never unravel. It was hemmed again. There was another line of stitching hemmed in hope. Um, for those who aren't familiar with sewing techniques, it would be worth the time to, to look up, to Google, or, or to look up something about the idea of French seams. It's a beautiful thing. It makes the inside of the garment as much as a, a work of art as the outside of the garment is. But more than that, it prevents those those frayed threads from from fraying all the way through to the to the seam and then a gaping hole and then the garment is useless anymore unless it's mended so there's that that comes into the picture of of this hemmed in hope is that we we have our ragged edges we know we do we have those frayed spots in us all of us do and some of us more than others because of what we've gone through but there but god's purpose and his intention he has he has put those pockets of hope all over his word and his intention is for us to be hemmed in hope so we can't unravel no matter what happens to us that's one of the word pictures that comes into kind of kind of set the stage for the kinds of things i write i've been overwhelmed by the wealth of uh, the wealth of his teaching of God's teaching in the Word that talks about hope, and that's His desire for us. We oftentimes set that aside and think that that's, that's beyond us. We are hopeless. Our particular situation, compared to everybody else's, ours is the one that's hopeless and beyond hope. And he's saying that's not true. There, He has hope for all of us. Sometimes it seems like it's hiding somewhere, but we he enables us by the power of his Spirit to dig until we find where it's been hiding.
3: Well, and that's such a beautiful word picture. And, and as I'm listening to you, I'm kind of thinking it's like, there's a lot of time and energy and work that goes into like you said you know hemming and um, and the stitching and the fine stitching and we don't want to take the time so it, it really goes we have to put the effort and we have to have the desire to want to find the hope and kind of be on that journey of discovery and and learning and understanding and so it really we have to look at ourselves and go how badly do I really want to embrace hope or do I want to stay and kind of a fashionable, tattered state and make excuses and go, it's okay. And maybe I don't need to, you know, and it really goes back to where's our heart in this and how badly do we want to be healed? How much do we want to allow Jesus to come in, allow him to start stitching places and, and, and doing the mending? We just appreciate you so much for joining our show and just reminding us of the hope that and healing that is found in Jesus. And that we all have this you know, carrying some tatteredness in our life, but we don't have to let that define us. And there is hope. So we want to encourage our, our listeners to, to get your book. We'll have more information on our, on our website and how to find you. So again, Cynthia, thank you for joining our show and, and just sharing your heart and, and your work. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to be right back.
4: Thank you.
0: This is Girlfriend on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on GirlfriendIt.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended radio right after these.
3: We were thriving in a youth ministry when God clearly called us out of our Bible Belt comfort zone to plant a church in California.
0: It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond.
5: Walking is one of the easiest ways to stay fit. A long-term study published by the American Heart Association indicates that women who walk two or more hours per week have a much lower risk of stroke than women who don't walk for exercise. Researchers found that walking for two or more hours per week resulted in a 30% lower risk of stroke. Walking at a brisk pace for three miles per hour or faster translates to a 37% lower risk of stroke. Remember that being active is essential to promoting cardiovascular health, and walking is a simple way of achieving physical exercise. So put on those athletic shoes and sunscreen and head outside for an exhilarating and beneficial walk. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. To hear other fitness and weight loss tips, visit our website at annettehammond.com.
2: Well, at least for two people who have never taken a sewing class in their life. Actually, I did one time. um, I think I was in fifth grade, the summer of fifth grade. My mom thought I was going to be a seamstress, apparently. Um, That was really interesting how Cynthia just took the whole hemming and tattered and be able to Um, have that skill and and interweave it into um, the the hymn of healing and hope. And uh, that was just unique. And joining us now, we have author and speaker Emily Rose Macy. Emily lives in St. Louis, Missouri, with her husband and son, who she gets the joy and privilege of watching grow up as she works from home as a freelance writer. She is a contributing writer to iBelieve.com. Start Marriage Right, and Family Christian as an affiliate reviewer and blogger of new products. Her writing has also been featured in LifeWay Women's Journal, Devotional Magazine, and Shattered Magazine. Her latest book is Yielded in His Hands, Becoming a Vessel for God's Glory. So welcome, Emily Rose. How are you today? Hi, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me today. Okay, so I, I love it that um, you have this obviously this passion for writing. and tell us how old is your child?
6: Um, he just turned a year old a couple weeks ago. Oh okay.
2: because yeah. I, I always am always intrigued when um, women stay at home and write. Uh, (laughs) with three kids in the house, I'm like, okay, like maybe at midnight. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Trying to find the time.
6: That's why I use nap times to my advantage. Um, but yeah, now that he's a little older, I mean, of course he is getting into everything, but (laughs) whenever he's sleeping,
2: we're good. (laughs) Then you're good. Well, so what inspired you to write your testimony, basically, in, in book form?
6: Um, I have always loved to write ever since I was a little girl. Um, I used to write short stories and poems, and I just always had a desire to write a book. It was just one of my life goals, one of my life dreams um, as a little girl that I would one day write a book, but I had no idea what that would look like or what it would be about. And about five years ago, um, in 2010, I was sitting in church listening to a sermon Um, And the the pastor was talking about God as the potter, and he was using Jeremiah 18, um, where, um, you know, uh, God tells Jeremiah to go down to the potter's house. And so he was using that um, to show how God molds us and how we um, are placed on the potter's wheel. And something about that story just really stuck with me. And the Lord just really impressed upon my heart that that's what He wanted me to use as a basis to tell my own story. And so I I sat on that that idea and that you know that tug on my heart for probably about three years before I actually sat down to write it. Um, You know, I'd outlined it and things like that. But really, it was it was just that sermon that really sparked it. Um, And then over that course of those five years, the Lord just kept prodding me and prodding me with just different women that I would either hear on the radio or hear at a women's conference or something like that who had done the same thing. They had written a book um, sharing their testimony and their, you know, their story of healing, deliverance, freedom, whatever that looked like. And so he, he used that to, to really hint that, you know, I want you to do this. And I had just confirmation after confirmation, Um, and I finally sat down to write it in 2013, and it came out um, in February of of, uh, 2015, so... Mm-hmm. and,
3: about, well, and we talk true. about the process of writing like you know, Patty alluded to it's like you have kids and it's like for us it's just you know it's so easy to get distracted when you sit down to, to write something and to, to stay focused and it's like okay really where am I going with this God what do you want me to say and how's it going how was the process of writing so we hear this from so many authors it was you know very therapeutic it was you know t- some discoveries um, there's discovery piece to it how did you find the process of writing for you
6: for me, since it was my own story, obviously, I didn't have to come up with any content or you know make any characters or anything like that up. Um, but for me, the process was a healing process um as I would outline um, and I'm more of a linear writer as when I tell my stories, I like to start from beginning to end, so it had a very linear uh, way of, of when I was a child and just through that, through school and college and, and when I met my husband and on. But um, the Holy Spirit would just bring all of these things to my remembrance. And it's not like I had forgotten, but he just would really highlight different things. And through that, it, it just was a healing process for me. It was, it was just a release. Um, of, of maybe some things that I was holding on to, um, you know, from my childhood or just, you know, just pain that, that I thought that I, I'd gotten over. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. um, just through just revisiting that and tell, you know, telling a story, there was healing. And on top of that, there was a new level of worship. Um, just as a, you know, having a grateful heart, a thankful heart that, I'm no longer there and to see, like, to, you know, as i read through and proofread and have others read, you know, to say I'm not at that place in my life anymore and praise God, look where I am now. And this this created just a thankful and a grateful heart, definitely, by the time I was finished and, you know, read through it a few times.
3: And that is is great to see. Once you can kind of sit back, you've, you've done the process and transition, and you were, you know, fortunate to be able to put your story down in words, which a lot a lot of people don't, you know, because either they feel inadequate or they just they just don't take the time to do that. But then as you look back through your story, you can just see, you know, we've been talking about the sewing analogy where it just God has weaved certain threads through your story. And and you know, his thread of I, he was there. He was there. Yeah. He was there through all of that. Mm-hmm. And just like you said, emerging on the other side of going, I am so grateful. I see God in a whole new lens. I see my story. In a whole new way, and I see that God really was there in the midst of, our, of the pain of my story. Um, and I think that's such a great way. Like you said, I came, I came out of it more leaning into worship and more grateful. I think mm-hmm. that's just such a, a healthy place to be. Yes, with all that. So, how have you found that you've been able to encourage others through that through your story? Because our stories are powerful, and you know, and and just. I think when we start sharing our stories we feel like I'm not alone and other people feel like, okay, somebody understands and it's like it gives us permission and but to encourage each other though, God don't stay there. Let's let's allow God to heal and mend through that.
6: Yeah, definitely. And that's something that I encourage a lot of women mostly. That's where my story uh relates. Obviously I am a woman, but that's uh, the experiences that I had with my childhood and how I related with my dad and not having a really strong father figure. Um, he was there physically, but um, but not really emotionally there for me. So feeling that void in my heart and so relating to women who may have experienced something like that and how that affects their uh, view of God and how a lot of people struggle with seeing God as, you know, just, their father and, you know, just all the father that he, he loves them and cherishes them. So encouraging them to, to find that part of their story that, you know, that they may not want to visit, but, you know, God is using that and he, you know, he, he wants you to find somebody that's going through something that you have gone through or are going through and be there to let them know they're not alone. And, mm-hmm. and so that, that was kind of the core issue of, of my, of my brokenness. I talk a lot about sexual brokenness because that, a lot of that stemmed from that need that all of us have to be loved, to be mm-hmm. cherished, to be adored, to be treasured. Um, but as little girls, um, you know, just wanting that, that father, um, in their life. And so, um, that, core that core, part of the core of the story i i've reached a lot of women through that and then of course with the details of um you know just the promiscuity in high school and the alcohol and the partying and just i mean i was quote unquote that girl you know who was just looking for love in all the wrong places and through School and trying to find my validation in my career as I pursued a, a, a career as an asterisk and, um, you know, just that constant search. So through all of that, my pain and, and, and all of these struggles, um, I've encouraged women to get out there and share it, whether it's just with a friend over a cup of coffee or if you're a writer like me. Um, I just think there's something so powerful And when we release our testimony of what God has done and what he is doing, I mean, he told the children of Israel, you know, you need to pass this down. You need to tell your children and your children's children so that they know the God that that you serve. And, you know, he he took them out of Egypt. He, He parted the Red Sea. And there's just something so powerful when we tell these stories, you know, even from the Bible, but what he's doing now in each one of our lives, there's just, there's something so mighty about that, that we just, what I say in my book, it's, it reminds the devil that he is where he belongs, which is under our feet and not the other way around. That, mm. you know, we are victorious in Jesus Christ. And when we embrace that, oh, uh, it's just so powerful when we release that in, in word form in our testimony, whether it's written or spoken. So.
3: Well, you can just tell in just a tone of your voice that you have experienced freedom. Through all yes. this, and it's not—you're not chained <laughs> to the past. Yes. Yeah, you're not chained to the past. You're just your voice is lighter when you start talking about on um, this side of your the story, you know. And I think what's so Patty and I are always so. Um, we just so believe, in, and with women, one of the many reasons is because we can change the story for our children. So we're not passing on the same experiences, and that we can change the legacy and change the story so it looks different for them, and they can live with that freedom that maybe eluded us for, for various reasons, um, you know, in our own childhood and our growing up. And just, you know, you, again, you reminded us, we all have such a deep need to, to love and to be loved. And unfortunately, a lot of times we'll go to great lengths. And we'll search for it in the wrong places. Well, unfortunately, we have to take a break. And we just want to thank you for joining our show and encourage our readers to get um, to follow you. Emily Rose Massey, M-A-S-S-E-Y dot com to read to get her book, to read more of the story and to find that encouragement. And so, you know, just thank you for just being willing to be brave enough to tell your story and to let God use your story for healing and hope for so many others. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to be right back.
2: That's when we got connected with Stadia. They have incredible systems in place to support our family, including a network designed specifically for me, the spouse of a church planner. We could have never done it without Stadia.
0: Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. This is the TogiNet Radio Network, broadcasting quality programming to the world. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show, on Toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa.
2: Well, welcome back. We have been uh, just carrying on the show of being tattered and and how God has come along and is mending and there's hope, and uh, just... God being the potter in our life and I I have to tell you and some people have more control over the the changing the chatter in their head and I know Lisa you and I have talked about how when you're going through horrific things or you're there with other people as they're grieving and you've just dealt with an entire week Um, of a a very good friend that passed away on a motorcycle accident. And I know it it leaves you feeling helpless and uh, you continuously are are craving the hope and you want the right words to give to others. And I know for me, in in this time of of grief that you're going through, I have a tendency to um, just say inappropriate things and try to find the humor in all of it. And I wouldn't expect anything less from you. <laughs> and and sometimes through text messages, it's hard because we we throw things out there. And then, you know, the other person, person is in a situation, which you were, where you're surrounded with other people. And so you're getting kind of a short text, which you're having to cipher and go, okay, was that a curt text? Is this, you know, not the place to, to give my sick and inappropriate comments? But um, I, I couldn't help when... Um, Emily was talking about the potter. Once again, the the chatter in my head that starts, this was probably a decade ago, and you and I were doing prison ministry, and I I believe we were in Texas, and it was a point where there were some things going on in your life, and as the team going into the, the prison, we were all supposed to be in the back of the room and practicing this, Potter play that we were putting on. And it wasn't really a play. It was one of those creative dances. And because you can't bring any props into the prison, all we had was a roll of toilet paper. And um, we had two beautiful ballet dancers wearing their all white, just talking, you know, it was expressing the cleansing of the Potter and Um, They had this white tutu, and they they looked beautiful. Well,
3: because we were in a room full with all the the inmates, and they all are in in white. So they all are matching. So it was a sea of white in that room.
2: Just a sea of white, which is interesting because most of the prisons we've gone into um, as guests, not as...
3: uh... (laughs) I'm I'm glad you clarified that.
2: But they usually wear orange. But this particular prison, they were all in white. And so we were supposed to be the, the mended, the tattered, the wounded, and the broken. We were representing that in this expressive dance. And so that was our bandaging was the, the, the rolls of toilet paper. So at one point, after we had been practicing, um, you apparently were taking a phone call because you were going through some some you know, things that were taking place and you miss the part of when we were all supposed to go down into the back of the room. And then the plan was for us, there was about 10 of us to walk down the aisle and we were, we had the bandage from this roll of toilet paper all over our hands and our faces. <laughs> and as we're walking down the aisle to this music, and somewhat we were dancing, you were there in the second row and you were wearing a bright fuchsia shirt. And so you stood out like a sore thumb in the midst of the sea of white. And then as I was walking and I had a wounded toilet paper bandage um, over one of my eyes, and I just, I looked at you with my one eye And you and I got the giggle as I was coming down the aisle. And so as we got up on stage and we're doing this performance, every time I twirled, every time I did, I wish I knew some ballet terms right now. (laughs) Plie or whatever. Yes, Yes. All I could see was this pink silk shirt that you had and you were laughing so hard and you were trying to fight it. That your body was like vibrating, it was shaking, and well, I'm well, sure.
3: I've got to interrupt you because it was absolutely screaming funny. Because I realized when I saw you guys at the back coming up, I realized I missed my cue on that, and then I remember thinking, "I'm okay with this. I think I'll just sit here in, in my <laughs> in my row if one of us is not like the other." And I just remember giggling watching you guys come down the thing, and I remember one of the gals I was sitting next to the inmate goes. You and your friend are laughing because we had this, like you said, we had this nonverbal communication going. And um, she's like, is that your friend? And I go, yes, that's my friend. And I'm laughing so much. She goes, she is really a good dancer. And then that (laughs) put me over the edge even more. And it was one of those things. It was that like communion giggle in in church or you're at a wedding or you're someplace where you're supposed to be quiet and something just strikes you funny and you're trying to contain it, but you can't. And you're about ready to explode. And that was where I was at. I was about ready to explode. And you were up there just twirling and dancing because you had to be in the moment and I was so grateful I was not up there and that I got to sit there and just watch and and giggle through it. But you did the Potter thing very well.
1: Well,
2: truly, like right now, I can get that same adrenaline rush just thinking about it because it was such glee, like from the bottom of my toes all the way to the tips of the the roots of my hair. I mean, my whole entire body was in – it was hysterical that – from my perspective looking out and there was not one colorful like anything in the pews except your like pink gyrating shirt. Laughing so hard. And I, I here I am trying to just memorize my my steps to this dance and you know the twirling and I can barely see because I, I have one of my eye cover covered up. But that was that was the potter play that I it came to mind when Emily was sharing her her story about the And challenge. that was the chatter that was happening in your head during that. That was the chatter <laughs> sometimes.
3: I, well, and it go that, it goes back to you have to, you know, it's like just we're talking about life and life experiences. And, you know, the tensions of life and the tatteredness of life, whatever form they come in, you know, and in that case, you're sitting in a a room full of, you know, inmates that have had horrific things happen or they've done horrific things. And so you're kind of in a unique place that's kind of out of your comfort zone. And I think when we're in those places of grieving, like like even this week, just being with um, friends, uh, close friends that are, you know, and family that's just grieving, you don't know, okay, at what point, what's appropriate, what's not appropriate? How do you appropriately grieve? How do you go into, you know, and how do we handle situations that are like out of our comfort zone for whatever reason? And I know you and me have talked about, and your whole thing is humor, which I love. And it was so funny because we're talking about this and you sent me this text this week. I'm in the midst of this and I'm spending a lot of time with family and it's like, you know, grieving on my own personal level and then grieving with family through this and because um, it was a young man that was killed. And so whenever somebody is young and vivacious and full of life and making I and mean, he touched so many lives, I mean, this service tomorrow is going to be over a thousand people just because mm-hmm. the, just the ripple effects of his life so you know you're in sacred space with people in this and you're in your own grieving and you were sending me a little text with little minion mans and it was just making me giggle and I loved it but I'm I'm here getting little minion texts and then I'm here sitting with a grieving family and it was one of those okay I have to respond and I want to laugh but right now is probably not the most appropriate time and so I just sent this little quick text going I'm with people and I meant it like I'm with people right now. I want to laugh with you, but I'm with people. And I think you read it like, I'm with people, you know, kind of like, and so it's a close- oh, out, Patty. Yeah.
2: Yes,
3: yes. And so it, then then you had a different chatter that went in your head because you created this chatter like, okay, was that inappropriate? And I'm loving it, but I can't respond. And so it is interesting how we process life and how, you know, and humor does play an important role part of it, but how we also interpret our environment and the conversations around us through our own lens. And so that was just a funny experience this week, you know, from two different perspectives. And, and it's like, I'm so glad, like earlier today, you mentioned that. Cause I'm like, no, I was like, I, with people, I want to play right now. And so I think we have to have those conversations. They're good. They're, and they're therapeutic. Because, like, even being able to laugh with you and share some stories was just very therapeutic. So, you know, just even when we find ourselves in those places when life, you go, I just need some hope or I just need some healing or some mending or whatever that looks like. It's like, how do we process through that and how do we enter that journey? And it is different for for each person.
2: Well, and it goes back to the very beginning. Um, Just asking that question, like, you wish there was a formula or a pill for these solutions for grief and the the healing and just from the pain and and I do believe that um God did create humor and being that just using that for therapy because if you if you can't laugh through the grief and if you stay in that place of just raw emotions of I can't get out of bed um, it messes with you. And we know mm-hmm. that we have Christ. We can have that joy. He gives us that joy. We're not supposed to stay in that, that place, but it, it's really hard. Um, especially when you're with other people, uh, they look at you like you're crazy. If, if you're laughing sometimes when you're in that, that place of grieving,
3: well, and, it, you know, even thinking about, you know, kind of going on a little bit of a tangent, but this whole all, we're talking about the, you know, the pains of life, the tatteredness of life, and, and you can't live life without having, um, some tears and and that they affect you. And sometimes you can, you can quickly fix them and mend them. And sometimes there's an art to it. Like what Cynthia was talking about earlier and, and it's little stitches and it's going to take time and, but it does create a masterpiece. And, you know, I think of when I think of tattered, I think of even books like a worn book or whatever. So it's those scars and that tatteredness in life that also gives us character and gives us depth to life. And um, we can understand uh, other people's pain too better because we've been there done that or we understand certain situations it gives us this um this different part to life like i say this depth to life that we wouldn't normally have when we when we have not experienced anything and i don't think you can't experience life without having the scars of life but the the kind of the um The art form is not letting those define you, but letting those enrich your life in a way that you can use those to give back because God never wastes an experience. And so just, you know, that's, I think, the message that we just want to leave for ourselves and, you know, talking to ourselves and then just leaving with, you know, encouraging each other to just, you know, find those places and, and do take the time to invest in the healing and the mending and knowing that there's not always quick fixes and that's okay. It's a journey, but God is with us in that journey and it's in those places. So thank you for joining our show and our conversation today. We just appreciate our guests and we just appreciate this time with you. So enjoy life and and find those places of healing and mending. Have a great day.